What happens when two dudes, one a retired Navy SEAL commander in Colorado Springs, and the other a hippie meditation teacher in New York City, get together to discuss living mindfully? That's a great question, because we don't know what will happen either. Raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with co-hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Each week, we take an authentic dive into how mindfulness continually impacts our lives, deepens our relationships, and allows us to be emotionally alive. Now, on to the show. Hey, welcome back to Men Talking Mindfulness. In this episode, we're going to be talking and discussing the science of mindfulness. And you might be able to see there's there's actually three of us here today. So today, I have two brothers, Fernando and Mother, John McCastle, you all know, and one of our favorite guests, and this is like his third or fourth appearance, Seth, Dr. Seth Hickerson is joining us today. Uh, yep. Dr. Seth has graciously, graciously accepted our invitation to join us because he loves geeking out about mindfulness just as much as John and I do. So thank you, Dr. Seth, Seth for being here with us today. Um, again, today we're going to discuss the science of mindfulness, its practices, its effect on our brain, our bodies, our emotions, the science of breathing, why movement is so important. So uh, here we are, gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here. Always grateful to be a part of this and enjoy it every time getting to, you know, talk nerdy. You know, I like that. We get to talk, nerdy, we get to talk about emotions. We get to talk about mindfulness and just, um, yeah, and it's just, it's, I always love being here and Looking forward to being a, a co-host of this episode with you all. And yeah, right. You know, I guess a guest knowledge. Spitting some yeah. knowledge. So so yeah, it's gonna be just that kind of format. Just like we said, mm -hmm. it's it's more uh the three of us just having conversation than us interviewing Seth on this one. Seth is mm -hmm. uh a veteran guest of Men Talking Mindfulness. He's been on two episodes before, just uh crushing it. And uh we love talking with Seth about this stuff um hopefully uh will i see you frozen hopefully it's just my end or you're just very oh no. man you were just very I'm working stoic. on my stillness bro that's unbelievable very attentive listening very mindful that was listening. unbelievable for yeah. those who are uh <laughs> listening to the show and not watching it i think you need to tune in for youtube for nothing else but to just to see how still will was i actually thought my screen had frozen <laughs> But uh, anyway, it's uh, great, great to be here with both of you guys and excited about the conversation because this is a topic that's near and dear to all of our hearts and something that we all teach uh, so that others can benefit from these. That said, uh, I will get into the initial grounding practice. If you've never joined us before for an episode, how we start and end every episode is with the grounding practice. Either myself or Will or our guest does either of those. And I'll put one more plug in before I get into that grinding practice. Check us out on YouTube. We've migrated the live show to YouTube exclusively, 1230 Eastern on Fridays. And uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and help us to grow the show. All right. So that said, here's another reason to tune in on YouTube oh, is to see John, this amazing, yeah, that hair, dude. amazing like, hair. What are you doing? This amazing hair that's, <laughs> that's underneath the hat, <laughs> man. Nice head of lettuce. Nice head of lettuce. <laughs> Totally. It's, it's worth it's worth tuning in just to see this this is, is. hey hey guys don't tell anybody but this is actually my clickbait is to get yeah. people to see this the hair, the hair does not look very mindful quite frankly well i got no, you didn't give a uh, shit about that uh, today no no that no, this morning this morning was a crazy morning i'd uh yeah i, I won't even go into details but having kiddos is uh -huh. i mean seth you know man 
it, I do. you have those days. But I was mindful about everything else. I started getting a little uh, frazzled on the way to work. Uh, and I was like, you know what? This is just how it is right now. Just ex- some equanimity and, and mm-hmm. ah, this is how it mm-hmm. is right now. And just letting yeah. it be. So, so that said, uh, yeah, the hair, I'm just going to let it be. <laughs> let it breathe. Yeah, that's right. All right. So let's uh, let's get into a comfortable position, whatever that looks like for you. And if it's safe and you're comfortable to do so, go ahead and close your eyes. Otherwise, just soften and lower your eyelids. And let's just start with a deep cleansing breath together to kind of set our minds, set our intentions. Breathe out as much as you can. Hold that empty at the bottom. And now deep in through your nose. Hold that full at the top, appreciating and noticing that fullness and let it go nice and slow, slow, slow. Now just breathe naturally, but continue to pay attention to the physical sensation of breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in, noticing where the air is entering your body, how that feels. And breathing out, noticing where the air is leaving your body and how that feels. Note the texture and the temperature, the humidity in the air as you breathe it in versus how it feels as you breathe it out. And visualize that air coming in through your nose or mouth, going down, down your throat, into your lungs, expanding your lungs, expanding your belly, and the reverse as you breathe out. Belly, lungs, chest contracting, pushing that air back out, up through your throat, and then out through your nose or your mouth. Continue breathing naturally, but let go of the breath. Let go of the noticing the physical sensation of the breath and bring your attention to your physical form, your physical being. And notice that. Notice yourself in this time and in this space. If you're sitting down, note your feet planted on the ground and the seat or chair or cushion that you're sitting on underneath your thighs and sit bones. Perhaps you have a back to the chair and you can notice that against your back. Notice where your hands are and how they feel. And take quick stock in how you feel in your body, any pain, any tension. Then move into the nervous system, any stress, anxiety. Are you shaking? Are you calm as your nervous system? 
as you imagine that and feel that. And then finally move to your mind. and Take note in how you feel in your mind. Is your mind wandering all over the place? And if it is, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no judgment. Just note it. Or is your mind starting to calm down and settle? Again, there's no right or wrong here. Just note it. And then let's close with one last deep cleansing breath. Begin by breathing out as much as you can. Hold at the bottom. Breathe in deep in through your nose if you're able. Hold at the top and let it go nice and slow. Slow, slow. Now on your own time and your own way, start to bring some movement back into your body, perhaps moving your head around and if your eyes were closed, start to blink them open and note how you feel. And we're going to get into the science behind that breath and why it is you feel mm -hmm. the way that you feel now compared to how you felt at the beginning of this episode. So thanks for uh, allowing me to run through that and guide that. And again, such great honor to be here with you two fine gentlemen. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Yeah, I know. As I was meditating, I got really into like, oh, yeah, just trust it. It's all going to be good. Like I get a amped up from the show. I really was able to drop in. And then at the end, I'm like, yeah, we're going to be able to talk about why this feels so good today in right? this episode. And that's really what we're here <laughs> to unpack, like unpack yeah. this, like, you know, this, these, these physiological, um, neurological, uh, emotional effects that these practices have on us. So really yeah. uh, stoked it to be with, um, to have all of us here to talk about this today. But Dr. Sal, I thought it'd be good uh, starting off, you know, really, you know, these practices have been around for thousands of years, right? You know, thousands, thousands, thousands of years. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then now finally we have the ability with the silent science that's available and the technology that has been developed through science to actually measure a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about like, you know, the mindfulness in the West, right. And the mysticism yeah. and the mindfulness practices from the East, like kind of now Absolutely. we're converging. Right. Yeah. And it's becoming like this global, amazing experience that we're having because yeah. of mindfulness. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the first things, even with these meditating, I think we'd be remiss if at first, if we're talking about mindfulness to, I want to pour a little drink out for one of the OGs, Thich Nhat Hanh, <laughs> who recently passed away. Right. So 95 years old, he was a big influence on what I learned, you know, and what I practice. So, you know, long life, 30, 95 years and uh, but a big influence. So I was just as I was meditating, I was thinking about Ditch and all that he's done. And I was just wanted to give him a proper shout out and pour a little water <laughs> on the floor for my my OG. So Shit. rest in peace. You know. <laughs> he's still out there influencing us all, all the time. But anyway, I just wanted to say, you know, um, that's what it's about. Right. Like I I and uh, some of the listeners and you all know my story. Right. I was in the, the Navy back in the day in my first duty station back in 1994 was Tokyo, Japan. So at age 19, I moved and lived in Tokyo, Japan. And it's where I started getting, you know, not by any design, I wasn't over there to find mindfulness tips and techniques and Buddhism and things like that. But just being over there and living in the culture for three years and dealing with my own stress and anxiety and alcohol problems. And I was always trying to figure out how to like, you know, not feel like shit all the time and anxious and, um, 
uh, I, I started to get exposed to things that they practice meditation, mindfulness, breathing, you know, stuff that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and the story I always tell when I'm kind of telling my stories to like, Oh, how I started noticing things and why do I do what I do? But, you know, I'm from to a small town, Bedford, Indiana, um, 30, 20, 30,000 people. And, uh, you know, here I go from Indiana to, uh, Tokyo, Japan, and I, you're there for a year, as John knows, like if you want to accumulate leave, I wanted to take 30 days of leave. And so you had to do 12 months, you know, in country to build that up. And then you could come home for 30 days. And so I was in Tokyo and living there for a year, just doing sailor things and experiencing it and going out and partying and having fun, but just being around it um, and absorbing some of it, even though I didn't know I was. And the first moment of awareness I ever had about mindfulness and the difference. And that's what we'll talk about in this episode. The difference in cultures and countries um, was when I came back home to Indiana for two weeks. And then I go to Hot Springs, Arkansas, my other hometown for two weeks. And I was back home in the States for like two weeks. And I was just noticing how irritated everybody was, how anxious and you know, pissed off and just wound up. And, you know, just I felt it. It was palpable, you know, and I was like, God, like and then I was thinking back to Tokyo where there's 14 million people. And it's peaceful. It's serene, right? It's calm. And I was just like, what? And I was after two or three weeks back stateside, I was like, I want to go back to Japan because it's not a shit show like it is over here. Everybody's just wound up, uptight, pissed off, anxious, you know? <laughs> and yeah. so that Easily was when triggered, I had, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. that's when I had one of the first instances, like after I'd left this country and seen another country, then came back, my perspective changed, right? And so then when I went back to Japan is when I was like, okay. Let me let me find out why they're so kind of peaceful and calm and serene. And that's when I started getting introduced to mindfulness meditation and, you know, things like Buddhism and things like that. And so anyway, that was kind of what the first perspective I ever got about things are different out there in the world. Right. And we as North Americans in particular have kind of a narrow lens in how we see the world and how we do things. And so, um, you know what is going on now and we can dive in deeper to it and what's great the great thing is there's this converging of east and west that's been happening for about the last 30 or 40 years you know this conversion of mysticism and science and when i kind of tell the story i say you know it's all it's all a result of the internet the internet's what's making this happen there's what sprung board this right before the internet 50 years ago, whatever it was. And think about everything as North Americans, like where we're from and how we grew up and our worldview and our purview and our lens and how we see the world. But 50 years ago, before the internet, the world was very fragmented, right? And quite frankly, most people in the United States, they didn't care about Japan or, you know, you know, any Middle East, you know, all they cared about was North America, right? We're proud Americans. We're the center of the universe. We're the global power, which we are. And I love this country, but we had a very limited worldview. We didn't care about other countries as Americans, but other countries around the world always kind of cared about North America, right? This new up and coming country that was, you know, making all kinds of money, great economy, awesome military. You know, they were always like, what are they doing over there? And they kind of studied our culture, you know, um, and we didn't, we didn't care about Japan. You know, when I was in high school, I didn't, I could care less about what was going on anywhere other than like in Bedford, Indiana and what's in front of my nose. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and I saw this too, you know, and, you know, I'm a doctorate in educational leadership. So I kind of talk bad about our educational systems because that's what conditions our society to act and do and behave how they do. And another example of these where I just saw like 
North Americans and our North American school systems don't truly educate us for a full whole life, you know, and we're not taught international stuff. We're not taught about the rest of the world. Um, and I remember sitting in Japan once at a bar, the Dubliners Irish pub in Shinjuku, Japan, and with another one of my, two of my Navy buddies, one from like Texas, one from California, and we're out there to just get hammered. And we're sitting at this big table and, and I'm sure John has some stories like this. He can probably relate to as well, but at the table, there's like, you know, two French guys, uh, you know, a couple Russian girls, three Japanese people, you know, four people from Istanbul, just this very diverse table of people. And all the people in that table are talking about America and American politics and American history in their second or third language. And I'm sitting with two soldiers that don't know the capital of Iowa. Right. Yeah. So you just saw this. Boise. Like, yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. Des Moines. Des Moines, right? Shit. Yeah. Damn it. We know. I wasn't going to pull you, but I just started <laughs> noticing these things. It's like, okay, hey, like there's a big disconnect, right? And anyway, it was it was interesting. But so before the internet, the world was fragmented. When the internet came online, what has happened is the world has started to be able to look into other countries to see how they operate and see what they do and learn more about them and what's been happening globally. And if you get a chance to travel overseas any recently or within the last 10 or 15 or 20 years, What's happening is a lot of these ancient old civilization and countries, as they've had a chance to peer into the United States, are starting to adopt our bad habits. So they're mm. starting to become more fat, more celebrity centric, more entertainment, more Hollywood. Right. They're adopting the selfie. Bad, <laughs> right. Right. Selfies. You know, they're just like you go back to Japan when I go like they're adopting the bad habits of North America. But what North America has been doing over the last 30 or 40 years, thank God, is starting to adopt the good habits of these ancient places. Mm. Right. And that's where you've seen over the last 50 years an influence of yoga, Tai Chi, meditation, Buddhism. Right. All these things. That's a result of, you know, the world opening up and the rest of the world adopting bad habits and North America starting to adopt good habits. So it's starting to come in you know, to our country. To get to some, some level of equilibrium. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and um, go ahead. What you well. said before the show said, yeah, it was like, you know, how we're very, um, you know, you talk about the East is very intuitive based, right. Where, mm -hmm. and we're very intellectual based. So we need to see the science. We need to be it. like, oh, it's like this is going to reduce stress. This is going to, yeah. you know, change uh, the, 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 you know, the play of heart disease or blood pressure. Yeah. You know, so it's like now because we are so scientific and so intellectually based in the way that we are in the world or the way that mm -hmm. we begin to look at things and, and, and then absorb those things and hope maybe practice those things. Now the science has been catching up. Yeah. Um, because we have the ability, right, to uh, right. to measure things on a much deeper level now, right. and we're and uh, and science has expanded tremendously. I mean, just think mm -hmm. about like just the the different um, uh, sects of of science, uh, like even 30, 40 years ago, and how it's ex expanded in, into so many different realms now. Because um, which which is wonderful. And then yeah. sure enough, you know, here's the science of mindfulness that's coming through. Um, mm -hmm. But why don't we like? jump in and talk about the, the science of or, or the mindfulness yeah. in the brain and meditation yeah. and stuff like that. Right. Um, there's a lot of great information out there. So I don't know if John, you want to jump on this yeah, to, to yeah. lead us off or I'll, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll just kind of echo what you were just talking about, you know, here in the West, so many of us need, need to see the science behind this 
quote unquote mystic mystic practice. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, yeah. I remember specifically when I went in uh, with my own struggles of stress and anxiety and depression and the counselor recommended mindfulness and meditation to me. And I was like, are you off your freaking rocker? What what kind of mm-hmm. weird are you? And then he sat down and, you know, he had enough patience to show me the science behind it, show me the data, show me some very high performing individuals who practice it and the benefits behind it. And that's how I eventually got into it. I mean, that's that's a very short version of the long story. But Mm -hmm. bottom line is without me seeing the science, um, then I never would have I never would have practiced. Right. And I know we've had we've had we've had tons of episodes where we've talked briefly about these different pieces, but we've never talked about it in one specific show. And we've probably done a disservice to our audience by not bringing it into the the show earlier. But we're we're here to talk about it today. And and I'll tell you where where the this counselor started was in the fMRI. What can be shown is how your brain physiologically changes as you meditate. And we'll also get into the, the science behind breathing, why we breathe a certain way, but just meditation alone, specifically right now, it can, it can over time increase the size of the hippocampus or the actually technically the two hippocampi and mm-hmm. the hippocampi that's involved in memory formation, memory consolidation from your short-term memory into your long-term memory. And, uh, and, and then eventually memory retrieval, uh, which whenever I talk about long-term, short-term memory and memory retrieval, uh, I think about the, the uh, Pixar movie, Inside Out. If you haven't seen that movie, Great highly movie. recommend it. It's on our and, website. Uh, it's on our website. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is on our website. And, and I, wish, I wish that actually was the way that, that our mind worked. Uh, if you ever see the movie, you'll understand why. Uh, but it also, the hippocampi, hippocampus, the, the plural of the two, um, it's been shown the, that it helps with spatial awareness um, and navigation specifically. Um, they've done this study. I don't know when. I don't. Re- I don't remember where. But I remember reading about it years ago that they did this study of New York taxi drivers. This is before mm-hmm. Uber and before navigation on our phone. And the New York taxi drivers, because they actually had to remember how to get from point A to point B in New York City, which if you've ever been there, it's not easy. Their mm-hmm. hippocampus was large compared to the rest of us. I don't remember exactly how much larger, but it was. It was statistically significantly larger than the rest of us because of their using it. And in a way, that was their meditating. And that's what we're doing. When we meditate, we tap into the tap into the parasympathetic <clears throat> nervous system, the um, uh, default network um, uh, and, and that the default mode network. And that allows our brain essentially to take a rest. And I know, Seth, you're going to get into this, you know, the bicep analogy yeah, that you always yeah, about. Was, that yeah. allows our brain to rest, which ultimately allows our brain to develop and grow and reform. Mm-hmm. So the hippocampus is one spot. I'll, I'll stop there and turn it over to you guys. But there's tons more science in this and we'll get yeah. much deeper into it. But, yeah, I'll start there. Yeah, I mean, the the hippocampus not only helps us. I mean, it's also that's part of the learning center and it helps us with emotional regulation which is a big deal, mm-hmm. a huge, big deal. <clears throat> huge. Um, you know, and also the, it actually decreased the size of the amygdala meditation. And this is like, this is studies that I found on eight weeks of, um, 
mindfulness-based uh, stress reduction therapy, right? So this is eight weeks of uh, of working through um, M. Uh, what is oh, what's the acronym? I'm sorry, mindfulness-based reduction uh, M MDMA. So yes, exactly. Um, you know, so it, it just decreases the amygdala is like the kind of is it the fear center kind of or like it's the fight or flight right, response, fight, right? flight or freeze, yeah. Yeah, five foot, and and um, so it decreases stress uh, significantly. Um, and another one is the temporal uh, parietal junction, which actually helps us to become more empathetic and more compassionate as well. I mean, just by sitting and meditating, you know, for you know twenty minutes a day, it's amazing. Uh, what do you got, Doctor Seth? Yeah, I mean, it's all fascinating stuff. You know, one of the things that I always like to kind of educate listeners on is to you know to John's point, been you know. So I always bring it back to like the difference in countries, right? So monks in the, the ancient civilizations, they didn't need somebody to tell them that meditation was good, right? They didn't need data or research papers to say that you should meditate. They just did it. They did it for thousands of years because they knew it had all these benefits, right? So they live and they're based on intuition. So in our country, our, our citizens are literally conditioned, right? Through our school systems, our school systems sadly suppress your ability to think divergently. So they make you think convergently, right? That's what teaching to the test and IQ is all about. That's a conditioning process. And so what happens is that makes our society not do things unless somebody tells me to do it or proves that it's right, right? So John and me and people are like, mindfulness, that's woo-woo. Like prove to me it works, right? I need to see the data. We're conditioned to be that way, right? And so what's been happening over time is our, our scientific analysis is improving and quantum physics and our ability to have higher imaging scans, right? Um, they're able, they've finally been able to show and prove that this stuff works and has multiple benefits, right? And one of the most groundbreaking scientific studies that were done in the last 30 or 40 years is when they did uh, fMRIs on monks during meditation. Because the whole thing that we're learning to do within mindfulness and all the stuff we're talking about is facilitate the process of neuroplasticity. That's what it comes down to, right? Yeah. That neuroplasticity is our brain's ability to change, to be plastic, right? And forever, the research community, the brain science community, psychologists and all that, they thought that, you know, you're born and we'll talk about mindset too, because I like to help people understand like what a real mindset is. There's a lot of mindset coaches out there and stuff like that. But if they don't know what a mindset is, meaning the anatomical physiological structure of your brain, your brain set, and they don't know what a mindset is, right? And we'll talk about that because it's relevant to the conversation. Yeah. Um, but so they were doing these images of a monk during meditation and they can see that um, this monk or well, first, let me say that before they did this stuff forever, we thought a person was born with kind of like your brain, right? Here's your brain. You're born with this brain and yeah, it's fixed. Can't really, it's fixed. It's fixed, right? Yeah. Fixed mindset, right? Like you can't really do much. If you're an asshole, we can try to do things to make you less of an asshole, right? Through medication or counseling. But we can't truly like change your brain structurally, right? They thought that the only way that could happen was through a traumatic event <clears throat> or a really profound religious experience. Something shook this person to the core and they came out different. Well, when they were doing these images of monks meditating, they could see that the monks while sitting doing meditation could proactively facilitate the process of neuroplasticity or neural pruning specifically, breaking old neural pathways, right? Breaking them and then forming new ones. And they're like, holy shit, like he's just doing it right there by himself, proactively, intentionally. And so that opened up this whole new landscape of understanding the brain and the brain's capabilities. 
and our ability to change it and, and strengthen it, you know, like a bicep. And that's a lot of what this stuff is about, you know, and there's, there's a whole, all kinds of different ways that you can do it, but you know, that's what we're learning how to do is, you know, facilitate that process. Um, and then we'll talk more about that, but I want to go back to meditation and Americans, especially, right? Like how we're conditioned to do things, you know? <clears throat> so if you, if the three of us were meeting and it was 1920, right, let's say we're in a meeting at our office space and we're sitting in the office, we'd all be smoking cigarettes and we'd probably have our bourbon, you know, and we're getting ready to have a meeting. And if yeah, somebody, the, the good old days, good yeah. old days, right? <laughs> and so if, if, if John, if John came into the meeting in the twenties, right. And he was all sweaty and he's like, Hey, sorry, I'm late. I was just jogging. We'd be like, what the hell are you jogging for? Like who drive? Like somebody chasing you? Like nobody jogged, right? It was stupid. Like nobody did it. John I'll just did it. John just did it uh, because he, what's that? There's a, uh, I gotta, I gotta send you this cover of a magazine. Uh, it's probably from, I don't know, early seventies, maybe, maybe a little bit later. It's a cover of a magazine. that's like the new health fad jogging oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know and, and that's key americans don't do things unless it's trendy that's right and so yeah, yeah, that's so true. that's just how americans are we don't do something unless it's told to us or it's a trend and so that's just how americans they that's how their their behavior works and so anyway nobody jogged right john just did it because it made him feel good but nobody else did it so john was the weird guy that ran right well research always lags the problem in, in this country so then our society started studying cardiovascular exercise, right? And we could see, we could prove that jogging could reduce your blood pressure, could reduce stress, could improve your longevity, right? Then in the next five or 10 years, everybody jogged. You were weird if you didn't know how to jog. So meditation in North America right now is like the new jogging. So if I walk into a meeting at my co-working space and I say, you know, hey, I just, sorry, I'm a little bit, I wouldn't say, sorry, I'm late. So I'm a meditator. I shouldn't be late. But if I said, you know, after this meeting, I'm getting ready to go meditate. If there's 10 people in the room, six of them may be like, oh, God, meditate, you know. Um, but research is lagging the problem. Now in North America, our research and studies are starting to show that we can prove a basic meditation practice can reduce blood pressure, improve longevity, help with stress. Right. So now people are starting to meditate. And so in 10 years from now, if you don't know how to meditate, it's like you don't know how to jog. And it's going to become a mega trend. And that that's why I'm telling like, that's how Americans are conditioned to do things. And so um, yeah. it's going to sweep through the country, right? All this mindfulness stuff yeah. is, it's going well, to you be bring up some good, you, you bring up some right. good points as far as like, it's that, yeah, it's like, it is trendy. You know, there's also uh, this, uh, like this kind of a cultural influence that's involved. And then I think it also like uh, mindfulness and meditation and all these practices that we're, that we're talking about help to lead, what they're showing because of what it does to the brain and the plasticity and how we can change the brain and right. emotionally regulate and relax and, and be more focused and, right. um, you know, and have more spatial awareness. It's, yeah. It naturally creates yeah. more success. It creates right. more happiness. It brings more joy. And, mm -hmm. and so now like, you know, the capitalism that we kind of live in, it's just like, Oh, now we can kind of hack into that. So, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like a, an odd catch 22 because it does right. all these things. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, I continually practice like you guys. I want to be as fresh as I can. I want to be the best mm -hmm. person I can. I want to be as kind right. as I can. I want to be as relaxed as I can. Right. And that's why I continue to practice. Yeah. You know, the, the thing, too, that it does, I mean, that, that ultimately is the, the best thing is it gives us hope. Right. 
because this this lets us know no matter how fucked up we are or what stupid things we have or self-limiting you know beliefs or the, all the shit we do that is screwed up right like with a mind a mindfulness practice i'm not saying it'll solve all your problems and fix everything that ails you but you have the potential right to to get your self better and healthier and happier and that's what a lot of people out there are struggling with they're just they've lost hope you know especially coming after a pandemic and they're desperate they're out there like you know streaming oh, yeah. how, do I, how do i get better what do i do and we're trying to say look like pump the brakes and give this mindfulness stuff a try it may sound stupid believe me i mean you're talking to alpha males right that used to be like well, you know get your hippie shit out of here right <laughs> yeah let's go let's go to the gym let's drink and yeah, pump yeah, some iron go. and run yeah, a little bit and, you know right <laughs> and, and and we can talk about that because when i talk and teach about mindfulness and meditation and stuff i always you know what we do is i call it cognitive fitness right and so it's learning how to train yep. your brain like your bicep and because that's literally what you're doing you know and so that resonates with i think more people um you know they can kind of understand that approach as opposed to just whatever their thoughts are but i mean it's it's um, well, i, I want to come back to that you know that that <laughs> feeling of well-being that you talked about seth is is you know that we can get that or at least a part of that puzzle mm -hmm through exercise. So that's where a Absolutely. lot of us, you know, we, we, we were pumping iron right. or we were running or we yeah. were doing X, Y, and Z. And I think there's, there's definitely benefit to that in what the body does for the mind. Yeah. And we can get into later what the, what the mind can do for the body, but, uh, by, by working the body, we can actually help to feel better, but in meditation, what, what else, what the, uh, I guess one of the missing pieces to that puzzle is what that does for your mood. And that, again, through different scientific uh, methods, they've been able to show that the the alpha waves mm -hmm. that uh, are, are present in our brains in those who meditate regularly, there's more of those. And the mm -hmm. alpha waves are responsible for that positive kind of feeling and a, mm -hmm. a higher rate or higher uh, right. sense of fulfillment and peace. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's again, there's more more to it there. But. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that mood and how yeah. uh, mood changes, sense of compassion and empathy changes right. just through meditation. Yeah. It, yeah, you know the thing you were well, talking. You know, can about. I just uh, oh, let ahead. me just jump in and, and, and said hold that thought right because you mentioned a, a key word and I, I was doing some research well being right and there's actually four indicators of of, of well being right and they mm -hmm. are sustained positive emotions right? Pro-social behavior and generosity, which can also be defined as compassion. Recover from negative emotions, which is also resiliency, right? We're big fans of that. And mindfulness and mindfulness and mind wandering. So that's like, you know, kind of like uh, what, what we really mean when we say well-being. So uh, Dr. Seth, over to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the thing kind of coming back to John talking about training the physical yeah. body too, like ultimately and this is what i believe and kind of what i preach and what i teach like everything comes down to energy semi going absolutely by yeah yeah but it all comes oh yeah so, I, I didn't even notice yeah, <laughs> New York. Yeah, yeah. i'm just kidding yeah. oh i believe me i've been there i know but so this is what i teach right is it the reason most people struggle in life whatever struggle means to you right it's never due to lack of time. It's due to all these things, but it's always a result of a lack of energy. People are wiped the fuck out. Mm. They're exhausted. They're drained, right? And it's hard to do anything. It's hard to be compassionate, productive, whatever other things you want to throw out there if you are mentally and physically exhausted. 
period, right? And so what we're trying to do is learn how to do things that can improve our energy. And we get energy from the four pillars of health, physical health, nutritional health, spiritual health, and mental health, right? That's the mechanisms in which human beings, you know, screw Tesla. We are the first electric vehicles. I human saw you beings. post oh, that yeah. earlier this week. I love that. Right. Yeah, we are, we are, you know, energy masquerading as humans. That's what we are. We're energy. So we're the first electric vehicles. And we get our energy mm -hmm. from these four pillars of health, physical health. So if I have a good physical routine where I lift weights and exercise or whatever that is, you know, ideally daily, if I do that, I will have good physical health and I will have good physical energy. If I don't, I won't, period. That's not me guessing. That's just how it works. The second pillar of health is nutritional health. So if I eat fairly decent food of nutritional value, you know, kind of in a routine manner, well, I'll have good nutritional health and good nutritional energy. If I don't, I won't. The third one is spiritual right. health, right? Spiritual health means I believe in something that ain't me. Religions fall under spirituality and they're all fine too, but spiritual health gives us a lot of energy and guidance and will and drive. And it means I have a relationship with some kind of higher power, higher power energy, right? Power, energy, mm -hmm. all those waves we're talking about. It's all energy, right? And that John knows I coach the chief, I coach the uh, chief of operations for NASA. You know, I coach some of the highest executives within NASA and they'll sit there and tell you, yeah, you're right. It's all about energy, Seth. That's what we're trying to master and manifest. And, you know, everything yep. comes down to energy. And so then the fourth one, and this is where, you know, there's a lot of people out there that could figure out and may already be practicing things for those other pillars of health. Like, Physical health, you know, I'll ask people, I do a thought activity that's really eye-opening to people when I speak and I'll get a big whiteboard and um, even your listeners might be able to kind of do it. But if I were to just ask people what comes to mind when I say physical health, like what are the first things that come to people's mind? They usually say exercise, lifting, working out, you know, going to the gym. And I'm like, good, good. Those are all things that if you do those, you will have good physical energy and good physical health. If you don't, you won't. Then if I ask everybody, okay, what comes to mind if I say nutritional health? They'll say fruits, vegetables, you know, eating good, diet, keto. They'll say things like that. And I'm like, good. Those are all things that if you practice some of those, you'll have good nutritional health, good nutri uh, nutritional energy. Then if I say spiritual health, people will say things like God, church, religion, prayer, right? Yeah. Freaking New York City. I, I don't miss it. My favorite part, real quick, about all these noises in New York City is uh, for, for the audience is before every show, Will's like, hey, everybody, make sure you turn off your games on your phone yeah, yeah. and your computer. You just and then we hear a freaking fire truck. Yeah. <laughs> See, can I just yeah. bring something to everyone's attention that's listening and everyone's here? You guys are obviously very triggered by just sound. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the one I'm focused. I'm focused. Laser focus. I'm like, I'm like yeah. just, no, I did not even notice. I mean, living yeah. in New York City for 18 years, it's like, yeah, so, you know, like it just yeah, yeah. you just keep going, man. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, was, I was actually watching your face to see if you did notice because I was did. like, he doesn't, I, even hear, he doesn't even hear that. Completely he stoic, man. Yeah, yeah, very stoic. <laughs> so mindfulness any, works. Yes. Yes. So going back through these pillars of health. Right. Physical health, you know, people say lifting, working out or whatever. Nutritional health, so eating good, fruits, vegetables. I say spiritual health, we'll say, you know, church, God, religion, prayer. That's good. What do you think people say when I say mental health? What comes to people's minds when they hear the word mental counseling, health? Counseling, counseling, drugs, 
Yeah. Suicide, uh, anxiety. Yeah. It's all yeah. negative. It's all negative because right. literally our society has been conditioned. When you hear mental health, you hear mental illness. Mm. Our society, yeah. our school systems, we've never, those last two pillars, if you think about our school systems again, right? Our schools teach a little bit about physical health, a little bit about nutritional health. We teach zero about spiritual health and zero about mental health. So, you know, that's the mental health problem in our society. And so that what people should say when I say, what do you think of when I write the word mental health is they should say meditation, breath meditation, work, journaling, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. Affirmations, yeah. gratitude journals. Like that's the exercises right. that you do. Masterminding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the first disconnect. That's why it's stigmatic because we as a society have intentionally not, con you know, there's no money in healthy, independent thinking people. So we don't want that. Right? <laughs> we don't want right. you to be healthy. Well, we're bucking that trend. We're bucking exactly. that trend for now. So yeah. That trend is bucking. But so that's what I try to help yeah. people understand, you know, is like, because you never know what the, it's all about just helping you, you know, mindfulness practice. It can give you all these things. It can make you more empathetic. It can make you more compassionate. It has all these wonderful benefits. But the reason it allows you to do that is because it gives you more energy particularly mental energy. And that's the big problem. Everybody out there that's, well, not your listeners, but majority of society, like they get up, there's no, they're, they're just, they just dive in, right? They're in sympathetic overdrive all day because they just get on their phone, they turn on the news, they're dealing with kids, they get in their car, they're going to work, they're checking emails. And so our body and our brain, we only have two, you know, we have parasympathetic, which is rest and digest and sympathetic, which is fight, flight, or freeze. And we're as society as humans, we're only supposed to be in sympathetic state like twice a year. When right. there's, a, in, yeah. when there's an and imminent death threat around us, that's the only thing that's that that thing has only evolved to help us not die. That's it. Right. Yeah. But the problem this is, is uh, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. No, no. I mean, I think it's like you, you mean, you keep you come, like these are just these are all everything we're going to talk, everything we talk about meditation, breathing, moving our body around. They're all ways to manipulate our energy. To get yeah, energy that we that that does not like stress energy, like we're kind of receiving stress energy, um, you know, depending on what your job is or how how you synthesize stress or how you process and, and deal with stress, um, you know, we're 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 kind of taking on a lot uh, very often, and these practices help to eradicate that. Not just you know, not just to uh, control it, but eradicate it, so we can get into a more calm, connected, cool kind of self. Right, maintain our composure. So then, we, and and the practices really help us to open up, right, to our energetic self. And then, you know, and the energy of intention. It's like, you know, so what do I want to do at the time I have? What do I want to do with the energy that I'm given? You know, or with with the day that I have, and and it's and all these practices. I, what I'm feeling or I'm experiencing, and the science is just reducing, 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 and and just like you know, less is a hell of a lot more. Um, and I don't need to have, you know, um, 15 things in my face or, or constantly being stimulated, um, you know, by television or streaming, you know, my phone or, or YouTube or something like that um, in order to for what purpose? I don't know why why we do this. I think it's just we have a very bad habit of, of a society of constantly needing to be distracted. Well, and I can tell yeah, you why. Just, yeah. I mean, there, we, we um <laughs> earlier this week i posted a picture of just a, a blank white block yeah like a, mm -hmm. on on instagram and and on linkedin and uh i had a few people text me initially saying hey uh your picture didn't load i'm like okay let me change my post 
I'll change that. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking my picture didn't load. It's it's actually just a plain white block. And I want you to look at that block and I want you to stop streaming or stop scrolling rather and be bored. Mm-hmm. Be intentionally bored just for five minutes. Because when you think about it, when's the last time you were bored? Like not bored and you picked up your phone and you started scrolling or bored and you grabbed your remote and you'd watch Netflix, but literally bored. And that word has such a negative, talking about stigma in a mm-hmm. meditation in and of itself. Right. Bored, that word has this right. negative connotation. Right. But that's where a lot of our creativity comes from. That's where mm-hmm. a lot of our resetting mm-hmm. our energy comes from. Um, I mean, that's, that is an opportunity coming back for, to that default mode network. That, that's where our mind mm-hmm. rests. And to use Seth's analogy, he touched on the bicep piece. When you go to the gym and you lift weights, let's say you, you're doing your, your curls right in the gym, the magic doesn't happen by lifting the weights. When you put that weight down and your, your bicep starts to rest and actually repair the tearing that you just did in your muscles, because mm-hmm. as you lift, you tear your muscles, micro tears, mm-hmm. that that's where the magic happens. And if we don't allow our minds to rest through the day, we come home completely worn out. I mean, I teach this stuff, right? I teach it. And there are days that I honestly don't take the breaks that I need. And I come home and I can tell the difference in how I feel, in how I am with my family. Am I present with them? Am I annoyed about the tiniest little things? Or am I enjoying the time with them? And do I have the energy? I mean, Seth, I know another thing that you talk about is, is where our attention goes, our energy flows. That's where our energy flows all day long is it is it goes to these distractions that we put intentionally into our lives so that right. we don't get bored. Right. And it's dangerous. And, right. It's yeah. And, and the th- yeah, I mean, you're 100 percent right. You know, boredom, you know, being able to be bored is a skill that these days because mm-hmm. so much benefit. But I help people understand, well, why do we do it? Right. Why? And because, again, I always bring things back to our school system and because it's not people out there's fault. It's not the listener's fault that they are on their devices all day. It's not their fault that they're doing these things that are driving them crazy. It's it's our society's fault for not teaching them basically anything about your emotions, because everything comes down to our emotions, right? Emotions. We know that neurological process that forms neural pathways. STIA, stimulus creates thought. Thoughts create emotion. Emotion is literally energy in motion, emotion. And that's what drives our action or our inaction. Everything a human being does or doesn't do is driven by an emotion. But the problem in our society is people have no emotional intelligence, right? First, they think emotional intelligence just means somebody's nice. No, that's not what emotional <laughs> intelligence means, right? And we, I'm a sports site guy. So everything I do is skill based, you know, to help people improve a performance, whether you're a Navy SEAL or a stay-at-home mom. And so if you want to master your actions, you have to master your emotions. And so there's only two things you can do with an emotion. You can manage it or you can suppress it. So the reason Americans are so distracted by devices and doing whatever is because what we do as humans is let's say I'm trying to work on something at work or whatever. And all of a sudden, I feel a little anxious. I feel a little bored. I feel a little lonely or whatever. We distract ourselves because we're distracting an emotion. We don't like how that feels right now. 
So I distract myself. That's why Americans are so easily distracted because they don't know how to identify, observe an emotion, take a breath, sit with it, manage it, mm-hmm. and get back to the job, right? So, and the people that create this stuff know that. And so, you know, that's the big disconnect is nobody out there knows how to identify and observe an emotion and manage it, whether through a breath or through a reframing or an affirmation or whatever the tool. So anytime any emotion comes up to me, I distract myself. Let me go check the thing. Let me do this. Let me go do that. Right. I don't want to sit here with yeah. this emotion. Right. Yeah. Like, like even when we're driving, right. Yeah. Like you, you drive down the highway and people are bored driving and what are they doing? Mm-hmm. They're texting, they're checking their social media while they're mm-hmm. driving. Not, not yeah. like at a red light, a red light. You <laughs> see a lot of that too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you can't even be bored for the 30 seconds that you're at a red light, but where it gets dangerous for the person driving and others on the road is they are bored and they're suppressing their that whatever emotion is bubbling to the surface instead of what you said right there. I loved it. It's just being with that emotion Observe, and, uh, yeah. and how dangerous that is literally just in your body, how dangerous that is. But then also outside of that, if you're driving and you're checking your email and your social media and everything else, you're putting yourself and others at risk. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk, you, you, you touched there also about managing your emotions through your breathing. And this whole show is on the science of mindfulness. Let's talk about how that breathing actually does physiologically change how your body, your mind, and your nervous system mm-hmm. feel. Uh, yeah. Will, Seth, over to you guys. Well, let me just say there, there are um, many different you know, breathing practices out there. And I think a, a big thing to anybody that's listening right now and, and, and you, like, well, how can breathing um, you know, change the way that you are, I suggest that you just try to breathe. Just try to find your breath and sit in the boredom of breathing for like three or four minutes and watch how you feel if you just simply try to control your breath and slow it down, right? You'll be able to find your science right there, right? But there, but there is more. And there's different breathing techniques as well. We had James Nestor on with his book, Breath. You know, we talked about all different types of breathing techniques and, and why breathing is, is such an incredible contributing factor and such a needed practice in our society because of the craziness that we just kind of been talking about throughout this conversation. Um, but let's just dive in a little bit. So let's let's talk about this, the vagus nerve that runs through our body. And, I, you know, I'll just talk about the mechanics of what happens in the body when we take a deep breath. Right. And then we can kind of hack a little bit, all of us into the science a little bit. So we there, there's this vagus nerve that that originates you know, in our brainstem and our reptilian brain uh, and runs all the way down. I mean, throughout our body, really, the vagus nerve kind of is pervasive throughout our body. But one of the areas in which um, and why the breath helps us to uh, uh, calm down and get into this emotionally, this opportunity to emotionally regulate and to get more calm, cool and connected, because it's also attached to a part of the, our respiratory system called the diaphragm. The diaphragm is this big sack that sits underneath our rib cage when we're in, in, exhalated, in exhalation. On an inhale, it begin, if we take a big breath, right, and begin to control our breath, like I just mentioned earlier, and get to know our breath, we take a big breath, it really begins to expand. And this expansion of uh, the diaphragm and the, um, the vagus nerve kind of cradles the diaphragm, it sends signals to the brain in this, in this continued repetition, rep- repetitive 
expand expansive state like the contracting and relaxation and exhalation it said signals to the brain that everything is okay and we can chill out and we can shift naturally what happens scientifically and they've shown this you know what and you can feel this when you do just do our breathing practice in the beginning or at the end or any other time uh that we, we have meditations out there with breathing stuff in them on our, on our podcast as well um it starts to shift it's like you know the, it, it hacks into the autonomic nervous system Right. And uh, shifts us from this sympathetic, this fight, flight, freeze mode and allows us to get into this parasympathetic nervous system where it's kind of our thrive time. We're more calm, cool, connected, more intentional, more you know, present as well. Uh, and that's just kind of the, you know, the physiological science of, mm -hmm. of what breathing does for us. And then if we begin to breathe more, right, and take on breathing practice on a regular basis, we can actually change the pattern of our breath right in our daily life so we can actually walk around and be more chilled outside. out and be yeah it's all good and be more relaxed <laughs> um which which in, and like yeah right yeah and how are we yeah think about it when you're in a more relaxed state how are you in the world how are people receiving you how are you receiving other people how are you speaking to them um you know so that's just some of the the science of, of just breathing but what did i miss or what else could we what gaps could we fill well, in there well, real quick, I just want to check with Seth. Uh, the, the light going out reminded me uh, to check with you, brother. How are you doing on time? Are you able to go a little bit past the hour? Uh, let me just check and see. I should be. What do we have? I can go. Yeah, I mean, I'm good for another 10 minutes or so. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, cool, minutes. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, All right. I'm I just want to I always uh, respect both our guests and yeah, our guest hosts. I, I know. <laughs> I'm, glad you check. I'm glad you checked because I could easily, this could easily be a four-hour talk. Oh yeah, oh, man! Yeah. I love this. Yeah. So, I love this stuff. Yeah. So just coming back to the, the vagus nerve and um, and what that does for for us. I mean, that is as Will mentioned, it taps into the parasympathetic nervous system, and it helps us to control functions such such as our breath. Obviously, I mean that's what we're talking about is using your breath uh, mm -hmm. to tap into that parasympathetic nervous system, but it controls your heartbeat. It controls your digestion. It controls your response to fear. It, you Rather, you want to be in that parasympathetic. And then if you need to get into sympathetic to respond to fear, then you can. Because otherwise, if you're in the red all day long, and Seth and I talk about this all the time, if you're in the red all day long in that para, or sorry, in that sympathetic, that fight, flight, or freeze kind of way all day long, when you actually do need to get into that for an actual threat, you can't. It's harder to do. Uh, you already burn that system out. But uh, yeah. in tapping into this vagus nerve gets us back mm -hmm. into the parasympathetic. It rests us. Um, and we can actively and intentionally activate it through the breath by mm -hmm. focusing on the physical sensations of breathing and then taking nice, intentional, deep breaths. And more specifically, as you exhale, exhaling slower than you do inhale, that is like the switch of mm -hmm. the vagus nerve. You turn it on, and uh, and that's all the benefits that we get from that. It's mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing, just yeah. how what yeah. you can feel and see in your body through activating that vagus nerve. Yeah, it's, let's talk. It's, let's quick talk about the the hormones really quick. Sorry. So it's like okay. we're in yeah. that fight, flight, freeze mode, right? We're in. We have cortisol and adrenaline pumping through our bloodstream. Right. And that's like that's where like that's when we get really amped up and, and we want to just fight everybody or run away or, you know, or, or, or just or that's when we get freeze. passive aggressive. What's that? Or freeze. 
Yeah, or freeze. They used to just call it fight or flight, and then they added the freeze component. So yeah, right. And then also, but then when we calm ourselves down by breathing very slowly, right, um, and, and really minding, you know, the exhalation when you really want to calm down, I think it is a huge contributor to uh, getting us into that that uh, rest and die, rest and restore. I, I like the, that term as well. Um, but that what comes up, uh, we, we get dopamine that comes up, serotonin, norepinephrine, and these just help us to have create more peace and, and more joy in our life. And, and just imagine how we're filtering and processing the world in this relaxed state. But Dr. Seth, please. Yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, I love it. It's all spot on. And, you know, when I'm teaching and talking to people, I, I like to you know, use terms and stuff that they can remember and apply, like, you know, everybody's yeah. listening and absorbing this knowledge and they're going to walk away and be like, you know, what do I do? How does it work? And so, you know, when we're talking about and everything we're talking about neurologically is all spot on, right? Like that's not up for debate. This is how it works. <laughs> you know, this isn't our opinion. This is just how your brain and body work. And so you just mm -hmm. need to know that because a lot of people think, well, I'm different or I'm special. You don't understand. I'm like, no. Yeah. If you have a brain and a body, like well, this is how it works. So, um, but when you, yeah. the thing is you want to don't just do the breathing techniques, right? Like when I'm stressed, practice them, right? That becomes like part of your right. mind practice mm -hmm. because when you just get up in the morning and you practice box breathing or you practice the BAMO breath, which is the first breath we teach, which is the fastest way you can. So what happens is the brain's very simple, right? It only can perceive stimulus. Everything comes down to our perception of a stimuli as a human being, Right. Everything we do is our perception. And if and we can only perceive stimuli as good or bad, threat or opportunity, that's it. Right. And as soon as right. I, the human, am stimulated by something, let's say an email, a bad email from my boss comes in, I read that and it's a stimulus, right? And then if I perceive that as bad, my sympathetic nervous system engages. My brain and body doesn't yeah. know that I'm threatened. Heart rate starts to go. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Heart it, rate starts knows, to go. Right. All yeah. It knows yeah. Is, Blood pressure goes up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't know that I'm threatened by an email. It thinks there's a rattlesnake in my lap. So it does what it does. So I don't die. Right. And so it's hard mm -hmm. to communicate and respond to an email when I literally feel like I'm dying or about to die. And so it's very simple. Right. The brain just all the brain, everything in your life comes down to your ability to be aware and create this gap we talk about, right? When I get hit with a stimulus to change my perception of it from bad to good, right? So that I can not be spending all day in sympathetic overdrive. I can be more in parasympathetic. And so what happens is if we're stressed by something, the first most important thing is we all know with mindfulness is awareness. I'm just aware that I'm pissed off right now. I'm aware that I'm stressed. I'm aware that I feel anxious, right? Just having that awareness. And then what you have to do is we, I use the term flip the switch, right? You have to flip the switch from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And I always call the parasympathetic the parachute, right? That's what calms me down, the parachute. So I need to deploy the parachute. And so how do I do that? I have to, like Will just said, I've got to hit the vagus nerve. I got to activate the diaphragm to send a signal to the vagus nerve to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. What's the fastest way I can do that? It's literally what we call a BAMO breath, four seconds in through the nose. And you have to get down deep and hit that diaphragm four seconds out through the mouth. That will flip the switch from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And for Any those type, those know, who have not heard that BAMO breath, that's a, an acronym, B-A-M-O, breathe and move on. 
that's that's yeah. it. Part of the yeah. my steady mind teaching mm-hmm. process, and right. it's one of the yeah. the things that really sticks out in your in your yeah. mind. And, and yeah, I mean, it's I got it tattooed on my arm there, right? Free move on. There you go. Boom. Because you know, it's also got... it's it's not just a yeah, breath, but it's a call to action, right? Breathe and right. move on. Right. Right. And so yeah. right. But that's what we're trying to do is just learn how to flip that switch. And as Will was talking about, you know, we need to we got to activate the diaphragm to send a signal to the vagus nerve to turn on that parasympathetic. And what I was saying about practicing right. it in the morning, when you make it a part of your routine, eventually your brain and body automate it. That's where you want to get to, to where at the onset right. of stress, exactly. right at the onset of stress, my body just does it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to. No. So when you practice breathing yeah. techniques and you have a mindfulness practice, all these things become automatic. And that's what you're trying to reach. So, so let's well, talk I, you know, about, you know, real quick, Will, and, and then I think we got to start to wrap it up. But I want to I want to talk about. So we talked about the science of what <clears throat> happens, right? The vagus nerve, the parasympathetic versus sympathetic um, and tapping into that. But let's talk about when you do tap into the parasympathetic nervous system what happens for you so basically the 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 scientific benefits uh for you so i mean some of them i'll just i'll just run through a list here um the you know it takes time as you've mentioned both of you guys it takes time to get these benefits but it can decrease your blood pressure um, which is you know is, is very important to many of us it can increase your heart rate variability which is very important to o2 and co2 movement throughout the body Uh, it can improve your immune system response. It can protect telomeres, which the telomeres are there to protect our our chromosomes, our the, the proteins, and it actually allows us to age better if we protect right. those telomeres. Um, increased focus and empathy, which we've talked about, and then the sense of mm. peace, well-being, fulfillment, and resilience. Um, but it also along with exercise, not not all by itself, but along with exercise and eating healthy can change your perception of, of stress and anxiety, but also depression. It can keep you from getting uh, depressed or having that anxiety. Uh, so those are some of the things that I wanted to make sure we've talked very yeah. much about the science of what's happening inside. Yeah. But OK, now that I know the science, so what? Well, the right. benefits come from that. And now yeah. you know why the benefits are happening. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I'm just going to say one more thing before before we jump. No, it's totally cool. What about the science of practice, right? The science of discipline, right? Everything that we Mm -hmm. talked about, and none of this stuff is possible if you don't take time. And sometimes Mm -hmm. just as little as five minutes to practice. Like if you don't know how to take a deep breath, and you, everyone has the ability to breathe deeply. It's kind of hijacked, um, you know, by. The, the incredible amount of stress and our expectations, especially in the Western world. So we lose connection to our breath and we're always kind of living in this state of fight or flight and anxiety, right? But if we don't practice, I mean, we just talked about neuroplasticity. You can change your brain. You mm-hmm. can change the way you are in the world by just starting with one simple practice and consi- the science of consistency. Start by doing that every day, you know, you know, mm-hmm. with a recording, with a video, whatever you need to do, you know, you can work with me or John or Dr. Seth, you know, um, to help you tap into this technology that's already inherent in us. All this stuff is mm-hmm. already there. You can go for a walk, you can go for a run, you can eat healthier, mm-hmm. you can uh, breathe more, you can meditate more. But without practice, none of this science that we talked about is possible. Absolutely right. none of it. And actually coming up in two weeks, we're going to talk about 
this is your brain on food. We have um, Dr. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Umanadu. Oh, yes, coming on our show as well. We're going to talk about how, how food affects, you know, our, our neurological processes in our brain. But uh, I just wanted to, you know, I always, we always drive home, practice, practice, practice. And we have now, I think, eight different um, uh, meditations and breathing practices that are available on our podcast platform, as well as our, uh, some of them are available on our YouTube stream as well. So um, practice, everybody. There's, yeah. a, there's without practice, none of this is possible. Right. Um, and I'm just going to drop the mic on that. And then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's and, wrap uh, it up we can, we can take it home. Yeah. Practice, man. Yeah. Do you want to, uh, okay. I, you want to do this one for us, Dr. Seth? Let's just, we talked about the BAMO last time on our show. Yeah. Let's do it again just so we can drive it yeah. home and, you know, practice yeah. makes perfect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the BAMO breath will do, this is the fastest, right? Breathing technique. And the one thing I'll add to Will about the practice that I tell a lot of people is, you know, when we're talking about practice and routines for our biceps or our muscles, we're talking about an hour at the gym, six days a week, right? But when you're training your mind and your brain, five, five minutes a day, you know, doesn't take long, right? A mindfulness practice doesn't have to be an hour long. It can be short. Your brain responds much faster. But, you know, we say in the military, right? Routines get results. You have to just, mm -hmm. you have to well, stick with it and don't quit because you don't, you're not going to turn into the Dalai Lama in two days, right? Like, give it some time, but five minutes. So I like, you know, again, speaking of short, quick hitting the BAMO breath, which means breathe and move on. And that's what we'll do. So when you feel that sympathetic nervous system engage, when you're feeling anxious or stressed or whatever, think BAMO and then take a BAMO breath. So a BAMO breath is four seconds in through the nose, filling up the stomach, right? You can put your hand on your stomach if you want, but you're trying to get deep down into that diaphragm and you're counting to four, one, two, three, four, I'll do one with the saw and then a four second exhalation at the end. Right. And I want people to pay attention to how they feel when they're inhaling and how they feel when they exhale. See if you can feel the parasympathetic engage, which you should. It feels like a nice, cool kind of waterfall coming over your body. All right. So we'll sit. You can close your eyes. I'll count one and then you can do one on your own. Ready? Inhale. Two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Do another one on your own. So that's the BAMO breath. Do one more there and then you can wrap it up. Good. Thank you, so, Dr. Seth. Yeah. And they're, they're, it's usually the BAMO, it's effective, you know, at like four or five rounds, two rounds, just like, you know, like, I mean, I, my experience is like at four or five, I really start to feel a shift. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also if you're really jacked up, really stressed, then go a little bit further, go a little bit longer until you kind of, feel that parachute kind of you dropping you down into, yep. you know, the world, a world of peacefulness. Um, so uh, that's our episode guys on the science that's of mindfulness. Um, you know, please share this far and wide. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or, we, you know, or, or topics that uh, we can dive into. Dr. Seth really appreciate you being our first uh, guest um, host 
on yeah, our I show. Love it. Like That's too. great. You're breaking ground, it. bro. You're break, breaking ground. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love and it. John, always it. a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> always, always. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And for the listeners, uh, like Will said, share it far and wide. And if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, here's another plug for that. Go ahead, please subscribe. If you have subscribed, please share the YouTube channel with your friends and family. Uh, because again, yeah, we like to have the audience, but more importantly, we like to share the message that we are sharing both with mm -hmm. me and Will and with our guests and our guest co-hosts. So, nice. all right. <laughs> and, until next time, everyone enjoy your day. Peace. 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 Thank you. Thanks for joining Will and John on Men Talking Mindfulness. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share it with your friends and family. And please, we would appreciate a review too. Until next time, this has been Men Talking Mindfulness. Thanks for showing up.